Ah, oh, for Christ's sake, Anakin! Hello and welcome to episode 41 of For Christ's Sake, Anakin. I'm your host, Matthew Neugebauer, coming to you live to air on this uh, Friday, January 25th, 2019. Uh, the Kim Feast of the Conversion of St. Paul, if you're celebrating that. Coming here from uh, kind of overcast, but it's usually been sunny, Alberta. Here in rural eastern Alberta, Wainwright, Alberta. I'm here. You're there. We're going to talk about 2019 and Star Wars. I wasn't sure if I was going to do an episode about this, but realized I had thoughts. And so I'm going to go into those thoughts. It's a bit of speculation, some things I'm looking forward to, some popular unpopular opinions that I've already dove into, but can expand on those. Um, so, should be a fun episode. Uh, hopefully, thinking about the format of, of this podcast going forward, I will like would like to be able to have more interviews, um, kind of wondering about the whole intellectual digging deep uh, that, that began this podcast, uh, kind of that momentum is... is, is eh. I'll say it, that much isn't as there anymore, but I'm still going to hopefully bring the insights uh, that I can, especially as new content comes out. But I, I won't shy away from delving into more current news stuff nowadays, I realize. You got to mix it up every now and then. You got to do things new, especially getting back into the swing of things after the hiatus. So that that's where things stand. Um, how about, uh, was I Star Warsing this week? Well, first of all, sorry about that. Sorry, R2. Got got a comment here. Bring R2 into the show here. Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. You're my only hope. He's being taken hostage. It's funny how much of that one, that recording pops up. Not too sure why or how. Also, I have Lukey the Porg. If you go to my Instagram at mneug1138, you can see my setup and, of course, my ginormous Coruscant clone uh, coffee mug. Thanks to the Disney store. Uh, still working through my morning coffee here. So how have I been Star Warsing this week? Well, uh, I should say the constant thrum or, or, or buzz, just to, to bring in a Star Trek reference. You know how on the Enterprise there's this constant sound. Uh, just the, the ship. And, and it's a repeated going over. And it's part of the thing. One of the things that's come out in 2019 is our... The comics and more comics and Age of Resistance, or not Age of, sorry, comics, Age of Rebellion comics especially, and uh, the the Star Wars Resistance animated show. Two episodes into Resistance in 2019, the first one seemed to move the plot along more, um, a little bit with kind of a, as as a foretelling allegory of. The First Order and its presence on on the the floating base thing there, I forget what it's called, um, on that planet. The the second episode that just aired, uh, it felt like a bit more filler, but uh, you watch Alex Damon's take on it, just Kaz, Kaz learning how to be more of a, a competent spy, <laughs> be competent at it all, competent at all, and he's he certainly... Grown by leaps and bounds, um, almost, almost Mary Sue ish, but uh, yeah, I mean, I fully 
except Ray. I mean, obviously we all accepted Luke. So it, it, that's a theme is, is learning quick because necessity presses you to learn quick. And Kaz is certainly in a position where necessity is pressed into learn quick, especially in this last episode. The uh, So the, the on, Star Wars ongoing comics, I'll get to those first. That's been really interesting. It's been this sort of side detour on this this isolationist planet called Hubin. And uh, it's been an interesting thing to step back and, and for the for the big three, Luke Khan and Leia, to step back and see where they are, what they're doing, why they're doing what they're doing, how Luke is progressing as a Jedi again. Uh, but in the Jedi ideals, how Leia... Uh, is affected by some events that have happened before I and mean, kind of in our comics reading timeline six months ago, but um, kind of with, with Queen Trios and everything that's gone down there and how she's responded. I don't, I'm, not, I'm trying to avoid spoilers here. It's fascinating to see, I think, the effect of the war on Leia. They're starting to uh, kind of tie into similar themes from last week well, my last episode here they're starting to play out the Han and Leia relationship that's something specifically the comics needs to do because there, there obviously is something in Empire and it's a great romance in Empire but they, I think they, they could do a little more than that speaking of Empire I mean there's still no sense that they're about to find Hoth and camp out there. So, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I hope they're still going in that direction. It does, uh, when, when, when Kieran Gillen took over that main line, there did, was a far clearer direction and vision. And events, like I said, with Queen Trios are, are impacting Leia now. Uh, I mean, things that, came from even the Vader comic, uh, the Vader 2015 Vader comic uh, that happened similar in a similar time frame. Those are still having their effect. Karen Gillen, of course, wrote that. I mean, that's a, that's a thing in Star Wars where one creator, one author can carry his or her own characters through different, uh, different medium, different, uh, different titles. I mean, Dave Filoni's the master at that. <laughs> so, uh, we'll see. I mean, I'm, I'm being entertained by the, the ongoing. It's still pretty good. Uh, it's gotten a lot better, I'd say. Uh, Age of Republic. Jody Hauser's Age of Republic. And and there's an advantage. They're one-shots. So, that has an advantage of uh, just being a very contained story. They've all gone into these interesting facets the first few of them have force visions, right? Including, you know, the, the Qui-Gon one and the, the Maul one. And, um, I believe the only one, one does, or if not, then it still goes into his relationship with Anakin. And, uh, I haven't read the, the, the special called the culminating special thing, but, uh, I, I hope I will get that. Well, I will get that, uh, in the next week or so. Um, or I should get to that on Monday. I'll say that. 
every single one just being very engrossing, engaging storytelling. And they're one-shots. So, again, let me reiterate. If you're looking for a comic to read and you just want one, and there's a character, this is probably partly why it's designed. If there's a character you really like, pick it up. If you like Boba Fett, pick up the Django Fett one. <laughs> I'll just say that because it's as much about Boba as it is about Django. And it's fantastic, fascinating what they do. I was hearing Tamara Morrison and uh, Daniel Logan <laughs> in my head while I was reading that. So very well written comic too then with those actors' voices. So, yeah, the, 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 what's already come out in 2019 has been pretty good. I'll say, I'll say that and how I've been Star Warsing. Um, you know, this, it, it is a bit of a slow time at the moment. We know with comics and books, and I'll get to a bit of more of what I'm looking forward to, but a bit of a preview in terms of comics. Jody Hauser, who wrote the, uh, who's writing the Age of Republic series, uh, she's teaming up with Alexander Freed, who's writing the uh, Alphabet Squadron novel. Turns out that's not that novel is going to be a trilogy and tying in the comics. And I wasn't too sure about Alphabet Squadron before. I was like, okay, there are some books where, especially when it's purely just war, I'm of course more lore than war. If I'm going to make have a choice, I wasn't sure, but for some reason because. There's tying in, it's a wider story, bigger story. It's closer, it's more of lore in a sense, in that sense of a bigger, deeper story. Still gonna be lots of war, but um, far more interested in that now. So that that's kind of how I'm Star Warsing. Time for R2, time for water break. And then, yeah, sure, why not some coffee too? Because, you know, it's still 11 o'clock in the morning, why not? All right, so what am I looking forward to in 2019? And it'll be a year long remembered, and a lot of people are hyping up, especially, uh, I mean, there's the, the big three things coming out. And I've, I've talked about them before, but the big three of, uh, you know, of course, episode nine, culminating everything in December, uh, the Mandalorian and Clone Wars, and, and yeah, we believe they'd be yeah. Everyone would say, at least the Collider folks or whatever would say, they'd be very silly. Disney Plus would be very silly not to have at least some of Mandalorian and Clone Wars right off the bat on the release of Disney Plus. Again, Disney Plus, uh, whoever's listening, putting this out there, it better be available in Canada. <laughs> or else measures will be taken. <laughs> Don't worry, that's not a threat. Uh, but I mean, these are stories we all want to see outside of the U.S. and, and clamoring to see, especially Clone Wars. Uh, and of those three, I mean, and I'll get. I'm gonna dive into Episode Nine in a second because of those three, Episode Nine, uh, Mandalorian, and Clone Wars. I'm most looking forward to Clone Wars. I mean, we, this is a prequels podcast. I'm drinking out of a Coruscant Guard mug um, from the the one in the Disney store that I grabbed, right? Or I paid for it, don't worry. <laughs> and there's, that's the story that's been hanging with us. And we know it's going to tie into 
uh, some of the, the Ahsoka novel and the, the Siege of Mandalore. Probably gonna maybe kind of things tying to 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 rebels and even resist. Who knows going forward? But um, you know, you see Rex's experiences with Ahsoka and rebels and how they uh, <laughs> you know, the 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 Siege of Mandalore. They're together. The Siege of Mandalore. They're they're fighting. Ahsoka is commanding that uh, a chunk of the 501st that Anakin sends to Mandalore to help her. And so that's the, the orange clone, ma- the clone masks with, with Ahsoka's face markings on it. It's really great. And that's the in the um, uh, the, the poster for the Clone Wars. Yeah, and I mean, clearly it's my favorite era. Dave Filoni as a storyteller. I trust Dave Filoni as a storyteller more than I trust J.J. Abrams as a storyteller. It's not that I don't trust J.J. Abrams. And this is getting to episode 9 here. My expectations for episode 9 aren't that high. I know that might be wild and what, what are you talking about? If it's episode 9, it's going to bring the saga together and complete it. Well, J.J. Abrams didn't really ever say it's going to bring the saga together. He didn't you know, I mean, I mean, Force Awakens didn't really have much coherence, as much, frankly. Here's the the odd thought: in terms of the actual plot points, JJ was just telling a new story in a lot of ways. Yeah, everything depends on what comes before, but. Episode 8 was actually far more tied in with the rest of the saga. I mean, I've talked about this before, especially with what happens in the prequels. And so, again, go back a year ago, my episode 8 in the prequel, uh, the prequels podcast uh, for that. I, I just, I don't have much expectations for any kind of Anakin Force ghost. I don't know if Palpatine's going to show up. If anything, there'll be more nods to the original trilogy because J.J. obviously likes it better. Fair enough, you know. Most people do. Prequelists are in a minority. I get that. A, a, a more secure and relaxed minority. But a minority nonetheless. Um, again, prequelism doesn't mean... The prequels are better than the original trilogy means they're equal and it's mixed uh, or, or just not as brutal and bad as people think they are. The thing about The Force Awakens though, here's my unpopular opinion. I, I seem to recall sharing this already. The more I watch it, the harder it is to watch. By that I mean it doesn't stand up to repeated viewings the way every other Star Wars film does for me. It's, okay, let's get to this point. Kylo Ren's bashing the, whatever, the controls, being angry. Let's get to this, let's get to that, let's get to this. Okay, finally, we're at the steps of Octo. <laughs> well, that's my feeling with Episode Seven, And, you know, I, I need to give it another shot, and I will soon, maybe even this weekend. But, yeah, it... it sets up all and the big the big criticisms are you know it sets up all these 
things that, I mean, Ryan Johnson didn't really take on, but didn't even have enough in Episode 7 for us to really go on. Right? We have Ray's force-back vision. Who knows? I mean, yeah, we, we Ryan Johnson did pick up on that, and he did a beautiful job with that. I think part of the issue is with episode seven is that it yeah i mean again i'm i'm consistent the the actual it was this new story but it was just so familiar and again i'm not saying it's the same as episode four but it's just so familiar and follows the familiar beats at least i'm consistent right i i i'm not too crazy about episode seven. i like it right it's a star war i'm gonna watch it i'm gonna enjoy it but it's too familiar, whereas episode eight I love because of how different it is. So, you know, don't at me, I'm consistent. <laughs> um, and so with episode nine going in, maybe part of it is just so much other content coming out that I, I'm okay, they're gonna tell this story, they're gonna wrap up this trilogy. I don't know where they're gonna go. I really hope Kylo Ren is not redeemed. Or if he is, I hope he's redeemed by by his parents and his uncle, and not by Rey. If Rey is the one to redeem him through Raylo, then that would be very tone deaf. I mean, similar to what I was getting at last last time with, with Ahsoka having to have a romantic interest. Rey can have a romantic interest, but it can't be Kylo Ren. <laughs> right she can you know it could be Poe or whoever um, it would be nice if Finn were her friend because we do need that example of friendship it doesn't have to be romantic I think with Finn and Rose that's been set up a little bit although that didn't work out so well if Kylo Ren is redeemed through Raylo then Ray's character becomes entirely about redeeming Ben Solo and you know that was that would always be tone deaf I mean you know Leia Leia's story is never about Leia I mean Leia's story is about the rebellion as a whole in, in the original trilogy she and that is her mission that is her goal it isn't about redeeming Han that happens Incidentally, it happens because Han actually is inspired by Leia and inspired by everything that, ever by Luke and everyone else, right? The romantic attach, attachment there doesn't fully, isn't the, the, the device for it. So, uh, you know, what I'm getting at here is, is it would be tone deaf, especially... In, after Me Too and Time's Up, um, especially when you know the call for women to never be reduced to simply a man's story. I was I'm re I read through the first. Uh, I was just reading through that Thor in 2014, that kind of comic where Thor is a woman, and uh, spoiler it turns out to be Jane Foster. <laughs> bedridden Jane Foster and um, it, was, it was interesting just how much 
it's about redeeming Odinson a little bit. A little bit. I, I need to read more. I think they do a pretty good job of, of fleshing out this female Thor character. But there's that disappointment there. You know, why, why does it have to pertain to a man in a romantic interest? So that, that's why with Ray, you know, she needs to she needs to just be herself and be her own person. That's the whole point of episode eight is Ray standing up there and, and fulfilling her destiny. And and that's really the the trilogy. This or the, this trilogy is Ray fulfilling her destiny as the next Jedi. And okay, if there is a romantic interest that comes along, great, but that can't really drive the story. They haven't set that up. So that, that's episode nine <laughs> in romance. I, I'm, I'll, and it's nice. I'll go into it and I won't be disappointed. I don't think I'll be. Uh, okay, that's good. I'll probably be blown away. Episode eight. It's kind of the the opposite. Episode eight. I was. We were all prepared and said this is going to be weird and different. Be prepared for this to challenge you. And be open to something you hadn't thought of before right and that, that's always the, the issue with Star Wars fandom right going in and not fandoms generally going thinking how this should go and, and thinking Luke's going to ignite the green and he's going to be the Jedi to, to save everything through a lightsaber on lightsaber contact and there is no lightsaber on lightsaber contact in The Last Jedi it's the only Star Wars film where that's the case and, or at least the only saga film where that's the case. Um, yeah, Rogue One and Solo don't have, have lightsabers, but they don't have that contact, the lightsaber duel. Um, episode 9, I think, will be a lot safer, and that's partly why I'm going in with lower expectations. It's going to be safer to the original trilogy fan base. I, again, I don't expect any kind of uh, Anakin Force Ghost. I don't expect, I don't really expect Obi Wan necessarily, unless the only way I can see Obi Wan coming in there is as something to do with Ray's parentage, <laughs> that whole thing, which I haven't even touched in this podcast really, because um, I, I don't know. So I don't know if Thrawn's going to be in it at all. I just, just give me the story at this point. Just give me the story that you're telling and I'll watch it but um, my my episode 9 speculation officially is to not really to speculate <laughs> I'll put it there so yeah low bar episode 9 uh, Clone Wars Mandalorian should be good I, again I don't know if it, that's the funny thing I don't know if it's really going to go into any of the politics with, with Mandalore how the Book of Tan might be around. Um, the description suggests that it won't. The description suggests that this guy is this lone gunslinger off on off doing his thing. Would be really great. I mean, we know someone like IG88 is going to be in there. Would be really cool if someone like Cad Bane, um, Cobb Vanth, is good tie in to to Boba Fett's armor. Cobb Vanth who. Has, has filled the vacuum on Tatooine, the left by Jabba's death, and is actually trying to be more 
I want to say more democratic, more benevolent of a leader. But he's wearing this, it's strongly hinted, check when the aftermath interludes, strongly hints that he's wearing Boba Fett's armor. We'll see. The the thing that gets me excited about that, that show is that Dave Filoni and John Favreau and uh, Taika Waititi and um, Bryce Dallas Howard, all the talent that's been put in there, and talent of people who actually care about the story overall. That's the thing with uh, episode nine. I don't know. I mean, I think maybe Sam Witwer, uh, Harlock, and them are speculating Sam Witwer might be involved in Mandalorian. Episode nine. You know, again, does JJ? What does JJ? know or, or invested in the wider universe whereas Dave Filoni and John Favreau are very clearly invested right uh, Bryce Dallas Howard being involved wonder if there's going to be Titus Solo being her her father directed that film <laughs> so we'll see um, but that that's for, for screen water coffee break R2 <laughs> That's what you're looking forward to, R2? <laughs> I feel like this is a commercial for the Disney Store, because I forgot that I also got this guy from the Disney Store Yorkdale in Toronto. Anyway, here's the funny thing. The thing, the two things I'm most looking forward to, uh, I mean, I, I was really looking forward to Age of Republic. <clears throat> that, looking forward to, sure, looking forward to uh, episode 9 it's not that I'm not looking forward to it it's just I'm going in with lower expectations Clone Wars and Mandalorian are going to be great uh, Queen's Shadow by Southern Ontario's own Kate Johnston so people have already had these so novels Queen's Shadow and then the one I'm going to with the highest bar of anything coming out in 2019 is uh Master and Apprentice by the Master, uh, Claudia Gray. Yeah, and I've said this before, every single page that Claudia Gray writes has been perfect. And so it's a high bar. Um, Queen's Shadow by Southern Ontario's Kate Johnson, who, by the way, I just found out, did study Hebrew and Aramaic at Wilfredoria University Seminary. So who knows if we cross paths. Uh, that would be an interesting podcast to pick her brain about. Maybe I can hope against hope to make that happen. Um, from the So the people have had the advanced copies out and they've been tweeting just today uh, how it, it's opened their eyes to who Padme is. And again, this is, this is me getting the prequels drive on. I mean, the Ahsoka novel was really well written. It was really went into that character there's so much to explore with Padme. There's so much to see. Yes, Natalie Portman did great. Cat Tabor did great with you know, you know, the people who wrote those those times. But this is a novel, and forget the young adult category. It doesn't matter. <laughs> it's going to go into uh, everything we wanted to know. Really, I think it's going to go into how Padme feels about, I wonder, I wonder, or maybe, my speculations going on to how Padme feels about and thinks about uh, Naboo politics, about Chancellor Palpatine, 
because it's about her transition from queen and then maybe she was going to retire or do something. I guess she wouldn't have retired too young to retire, but some form of public service decides to become the senator, not knowing she's going to be embroiled in the greatest crisis in galactic history <laughs> uh, in a few short years. There's a time period we haven't explored much in between, in between Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones, of course. And a character, yeah, that, that just, I mean, again, the, the one thing, I love Revenge of the Sith with an undying love, but you know, her death and her character in that movie isn't fleshed out. And a lot of people, especially a lot of women, are right to point that out. And, and I hear that criticism. Is this going to be one of those things that provides that depth? This novel is going to provide some of that depth of that character. She's younger than in Revenge of the Sith. You know, she's she hasn't. Uh, she, you know, she Anakin isn't really on her radar as much as we we think, <laughs> uh, as much as we see. Um, yeah, maybe he's a little bit, and that'll be that'll be an interesting thing. Is where is Anakin on her radar? But uh, this is maybe a broken record here. What's interesting about this period, and what's interesting in contrast to our character in Revenge of the Sith, is it's going to focus on Padme, the public woman, the public person. Similar probably to the way Claudia Gray did in Bloodline with Leia. I wonder if there's going to be some similarities there. Uh I mean, it's closer to, to Claudia Gray in Princess of Alderaan, but even then, I mean, Padme here is a young adult. She's you know, really entering the world of galactic politics as a senator. And so, the, I mean, and, and that what's interesting then is, is that transition is an interesting narrative, has a lot of interesting narrative opportunities for the character. And so, yeah, I, I'm... Really looking forward to to what happens, what new surprising things Kate Johnston, Southern Ontario's Kate Johnston will bring in, <laughs> um, what you know, what things might, and, and, and kind of the fan service, what things will be confirmed that we already know and feel and love about, about this character. One thing maybe I'm interested in is there's, you know, there's the Padme of the movies, of the films. There's the Padme of the Clone Wars. I should also say Timothy Zahn did a pretty good job in the limited space he was able to give to Padme. Um, he was very concentrated and efficient in in really showing us, and, and Ken Napstock pointed out, it's more the, the Phantom Menace Padme, especially where she's taken action, going on a mission, fighting. She's already a senator. Anyway. Um, this is a full, again, this is a full-length book. What, which Padme are we going to see? Are we gonna, I mean, we're probably more likely going to see Padme the diplomat, the politician, the public figure. Is there going to be a common core to both of those, right? I mean, and the thing is, Padme the diplomat and Padme the woman of action, the blaster, I mean, this, they're the same person. They're... I have not, I mean, one of my favorite lines of the saga is I have not come to debate this in a committee. 
<laughs> it must resolve the attack of my people's sovereignty now. Right? This woman of, of action, be it in you know in a speech or or with her legs running through the palace and you know <laughs> shooting out some some battle droids if she needs to and and capturing not killing capturing the viceroy so where where does that motivation come from uh in the background there she's in the Darth Plagueis novel the legends of Darth Plagueis novel by James Lucina which is of course my and many others favorite novel of legends she that that upbringing similar to Leia actually the upbringing of being service for others taking action for others she's I think even, she's even wiser than Leia is <laughs> at that age kind of 13 14 so this is of course when she's around 20s I believe in her 20s or early 20s has to be so even at that point Maybe, yeah, maybe one of the interesting things, the similarities to Leia. We'll see. Uh, looking forward to that novel, Master and Apprentice. Now, Claudia Gray's contribution to, uh, from a certain point of view, is absolutely out of this world. You want to talk about something you were not expecting. <laughs> Qui-Gon Force Ghost visiting Obi-Wan on Tatooine. And... We kind of get some of that in in is it uh, Kevin J Anderson I believe maybe I'm wrong whoever who wrote the Kenobi novel kind of blanking on his name where Obi Wan tries to connect to Qui Gon he doesn't really hear back with these interesting motivations and meditations I should say it's kind of similar to that well so Master and Apprentice is set before the Phantom Menace where Qui Gon's still very much alive. What we've already gotten from that, for example, in the Obi-Wan Age of Republic comic, um, we have some flashbacks there. I mean, that's that's such a fascinating period of time, right? I mean, Qui-Gon Jinn is also one of my favorite characters and one of the most interesting and important characters, and including his parallel with John the Baptist and how he's able to you know, be a Jedi Master with a prophetic role in the order and standing outside the council and um, you know, having that that vision and foresight to see this is also in the Qui-Gon Age of Republic to see he saw, was able to see the the fall of the, the shroud of the dark side before anyone else could because he was free from all most of the machinations you can't be a master and be free completely from the political, from Jedi politics. That's not actually possible. It's like being a bishop and being free from church politics. It's not actually possible. But, you know, to, to, it's interesting to see Qui-Gon and then Obi-Wan, who's very much, and especially when, you, when you're at that age, when you're a teenager in the Jedi Order, you're going to be by the book. You know, I mean, even even by the Phantom Menace, he's still more by the book. You'd be on the council if you just towed the party line. To see even the, the tension between the two, but the way, I mean, the way Claudia Gray writes Qui-Gon in that, that short story, 
is it's as good as any of her writing and anything else. Um, and it's going to be another very different story. She's written, I mean, she's written the two young adult novels. Um, yeah, there's some similarities with Lost Stars is more overtly a romance, but it's a beautiful, incredible romance that takes us through the original trilogy in a way from a perspective, from our perspective, really. And in a way that really shows kind of the, the ground floor, what was happening from this perspective, of these two kids, two young, well, they start off as kid kids, right? Right at the, the rise of the empire and goes all the way to the battle of Jakku and any kind of Romeo and Juliet star crossed lovers thing, but also, but the drama, the galactic drama in the background. Then you have Leia and young adult exploring who she is, the birth of the rebellion <laughs> and her parents' involvement in that and on the ground level in a way from her perspective. But then you have Bloodline where she's an adult. She's discovering the First Order. <laughs> or she's more than that. She's, she's an elder statesman running for of Chancellor and this political scandal and all this stuff. More a more mature story. Still beautifully well written, fleshed out the politics and whatnot. The short story, this mystical, beautiful mystical experience of of Obi Wan seeing Qui Gon, but of Qui Gon experiencing what it's like to become a Force ghost for the first time. And, and the wisdom and, and insight into the balance of the Force and the nature of the Force that's required to do that as a Jedi. We're going to see, hopefully see some of that in this encounter between Qui-Gon, who's very much concerned with the living Force, and Obi-Wan, I'd say, is concerned with the unifying Force. And, and of course, Obi-Wan not concerned in the way that a Sith would be concerned with it, and controlling it. The teaching Qui-Gon teaching Obi-Wan to be mindful to submit to the will of the force to know when to take action and when to kneel and stand st be still right a lesson that, that Obi-Wan actually does learn to some degree um, in the Phantom Menace although just thinking now you know when the those red laser walls are there Obi-Wan's panting and kind of raring to go Qui-Gon's kneeling and meditating and of course still knows the exact moment to stand up and spring up and resume his fight with Darth Maul so where did those come from where does to, to track back and see where did those insights I'm really looking forward to seeing what Claudia Gray does with that So that, that's in terms of content what I'm looking forward to. Of course, there's also Star Wars Celebration Chicago. I, of course, won't be able to attend. My my call for, I, I threw the call out into the ether of Twitter and said, hey, anyone want a, a chaplain over, over Palm Sunday weekend? <laughs> uh, that thing, I, I didn't hear back. I, didn't, I could have emailed them. I don't know. Maybe that would be funny. I'm going to be rather busy here in Church Land. I will try and catch 
I will catch as much of the, the YouTube streams as I can. Hopefully, I mean, they've been, that's one thing they've been consistently great with is uh, the, the YouTube streaming of, at least of the panels. Obviously, if the, when there's a trailer or whatever dropping, I will take the five minutes to watch it. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, I mean, I'm looking forward to, yeah, there's, there's going to be, I mean, they, they, you need to have an episode nine trailer. That's been the pattern with episode seven, episode eight. Wasn't the pattern with Rogue One, but what can you do? That's the big disappointment. So that's why my expectations are slightly tempered because I remember the 2016 celebration didn't have enough of Rogue One, and they realized okay, then it was probably part of the reshoots and all that stuff happening, the mess on set. But yeah, Episode Nine. I mean, that's one thing about J.J. Abrams is. He knows he knows the people. He knows how to play ball. Uh, so an episode nine trailer, some footage, Mandalorian footage trailer, Clone Wars stuff. Um, yeah, maybe you know more resistance stuff. You know, I mean, that's the thing with celebration is it's all where we get the juicy meaty tastes for what's happening next. Um, one thing that hasn't been talked about. And then I'm gonna that I, I want to mention here is, you know, two years ago, 2017, the New Hope at 40, Star Wars at 40 tribute was beautiful, memorable. I remember the YouTube stream not being very secure, but watching it at great anyway and having everybody in. Phantom Menace at 20. I, I really hope they do something similar. It's high time. I've already declared a prequel to Golden Age. There, it, it's time to have a positive retrospective. I, I mean, I highly doubt Jake Lloyd's going to be interested in coming. I'm almost concerned that Natalie Portman hasn't been announced. I'm surprised she wouldn't. I, I, I don't know why she hasn't had much to do. I mean, I guess she's been, she's the A-list of the A-list of the A-list world-class acting talents in the world right now. Maybe going down in history is one of them. So, yeah, she's busy. <laughs> but it's Star Wars. It's the Phantom Menace. This is the film that really skyrocketed her. And, of course, the novel's coming out, so have that connection there. Um, I mean, Ian McNermid's always been game... Uh, I don't know, the guy who plays Maul, I'm blanking on his name. Ray Park has <laughs> always been game, except for Fan Expo, that's okay. He's always been game for celebration, for sure. Um, you know, Anthony Daniels, all these people who, I mean, were involved in multiple films. Um, Ahmed Best has been coming back to the spotlight a lot, especially since he really went into his depression and suicidal ideation and whatnot after after the Phantom Menace because people were as bad <laughs> fans were as bad back then as they are now. Just you know, as as cruel and thoughtless and heartless as they are now. Um, so he's been back in the spotlight and it would be great to 
have him come out to great applause and cheers. Uh, I think that will be that will be a great moment for the fandom and for for him personally. Yeah. Get, bring George in, you know. <laughs> he was up the the stars at forty. I think that would be something because I mean I do love that film. It's it's dear to my heart. It is part of my prequels conversion story, The Phantom Menace, and so uh, and, and I mean this podcast in part exists in large part, deeply large part because of what we see in The Phantom Menace about Anakin's birth and Qui-Gon and Shmi and the state of the Jedi at the time and how that all relates to what we see in the New Testament, <laughs> for example. So I, I, I'm surprised that hasn't been announced. I would really like to see it, a Phantom Menace tribute. doesn't have to be too long. It could be 45 minutes, but make that a panel. You hear it up here first. <laughs> um, if you know, I, I've learned to just like with episode nine, I've learned to say, okay, I can be disappointed if something I want doesn't happen, but say, okay, we're gonna get what we want, or we're, we're gonna get what we get. I should say. So, it's gonna be a big year in Star Wars. Right? We knew that in some ways, you know, twenty fifteen was maybe the biggest year. Because that was the first, that was when everything really kicked off. When I was pulled into full-blown Star Wars fandom was 2015. 2019, uh, so much coming out, so much happening. So much digging deep into multiple areas, multiple eras. Especially the prequel era. That is turning 20 years old. Uh, this year, this May. So, I mean, in the words of Darth Vader in, in not the prequel trilogy, <laughs> it shall be a year long remembered. And hopefully one that brings the fandom back together. That, you know, I mean, I've never lost my trust in, in Lucasfilm. It's tempered, it's, it's nuanced, but... Uh, this might be the year that really you know, skyrockets them into an even higher level. We'll see. So that's been episode 41 of For Christ's Sake Anakin. One more check from RQ. Thanks, R2. Uh, you can follow me again, request a follow on Twitter, at, or, or don't need to request a follow on Twitter. You can follow me on Twitter at neug485. Let me know what you're looking forward to in 2019. Uh, and request a follow on Instagram at mneug1138. I got a bunch of Star Wars stuff over there, comic stuff, soccer, <laughs> things. That, it's a bit of church stuff there too. So, uh, yeah, give that a follow. Give me a follow there. Tell your friends about this podcast if you're interested. And... Uh, I'm sure there are things I've missed that are coming out, but that those are the things that have come to mind. So again, this has been episode 41 of For Christ's Sake Anakin. I'm your host, Matthew Nigebauer. Thanks for listening. May the Force be with you always. <laughs>